HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never-ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series, where I engage in interesting conversations with some of the country's greatest pizza makers and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. I'm with Andres Logden, who's the creator and inventor of the Pizza Steel and all of the Pizza Steel spinoffs that have happened ever since we'll catch up with in a few minutes we're on pizza talk and um andres i was wondering if uh, if you could help uh those people who don't already know who you are didn't see the interview uh and if you didn't see it you can go back and search on pizza quest uh, under andres's name you can find that interview but uh maybe you could bring us up to date a little bit just tell us the story of the creation of the steel because i know yeah. you started out uh, basically in the fabrication business with your family, right? In Stoughton, is it Stoughton, Massachusetts? Is that where it's happening? Stoughton, All right, so, so tell, us a, tell us a little bit of that, and then we'll get into some, some more nitty-gritty stuff. Love you. Thank you for having me too, Peter. This is amazing, always, always amazing to run into you. Um, and I want to give a quick backstory to see you again. of how I had met when I first started, and this is like 2012 and 13, um, you called my office totally random. <laughs> and I talked to my dad and my dad, I had just left. My dad had called and said, Hey, and my dad's clueless to, you know, anything in the food world. He's like, Hey, this guy named Peter Reinhardt just called you. Um, you want to call him back? I'm like, dad, do you know who that is? It's like the legend. This is the guy. I mean, this is, it was, I still remember that day vividly, Peter. It was incredible. <laughs> then when I see you, I'm just like, I light it up because I've read all of your books. I'm a huge fan. Um, which will give a good segue into um, the baking steel. So I, I was in the culinary world in my young adult life. I, in high school, I worked at, you know, flipping pancakes, kind of got the bug working. Yeah. In a, um, and then I worked in restaurants and studied culinary arts. And um, yeah, you worked with Todd English, didn't you? Did. Uh, with the, one of the great American chefs. Yeah. Amazing. So that was my last, my last professional, um, like gig in a, in a restaurant was with Todd English. And I originally was hired at Figs slinging pizzas. And I, you know, here I am this culinary guy and thinking like, I'm way too cool for pizza, but, but I'll take it. You know, it's like, I absolutely fell in love with 
pizza more than, you know, as a kid. And the passion that Todd had about his dough and his toppings and the creations of pizza, it just made me fall in love with what pizza is all about. Um, so I took a deeper dive into that passion. Uh, at Figs, were you doing wood fire pizzas at Figs? Uh, we were gas, or, wood fired with gas, yes. We yeah, ran about. Uh, but it was like in a brick oven. Yeah, a brick oven, totally. Yep. I remember, I remember going into Figs back in the early aughts, like around 2002 or three, when I was oh, living in New England. And, um, and so I had a pizza there. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't know. Of course, you. I don't know if you were there that day or what. But yeah, uh, things was was uh, very innovative. It was it was a trend setting place for for creative toppings on pizzas. Yeah, exactly. That's what he did. He he had his canvas, which was the dough, and he used a lot of water in his dough to make it like crispier, airy, crispy dough. And um, I, in fact, it's funny because I I I left the restaurant world and it's got burned out, and it just because of different things. But I just, I needed a break. But I took all of Todd's recipes, <laughs> for sure, right? And I would recreate yeah. them at home. I had a pizza stone. I would break them. And I was just kind of like, ho-hum, like, these are good. I'd make them for friends. But they weren't, like, super exciting. Um, I always just thought in the back of my brain that you needed a wood-fired oven to really make it legendary at home. Um, so whatever. So I just kind of went along, my, did my thing. And then... So I've been working in steel. My other, my dad's an entrepreneur. Um, so I've been, you know, obviously his son, been beside him his, my whole life. And I remember going into the shops, he would be working with metal. He was really good with his hands, like a street engineer from Latvia, you know? And he, um, I've always- Was admired, your dad, was your dad uh, had he come over from Latvia or was he- He did when he was really young, when he was like five. His parents came. And he was, so yeah, he, he, he was like a first generation immigrant to America. Who, exactly right. Yep. First generation immigrant. And he um, had his own business. And so I grew up since the time I was 10, you know, sweeping the floors. I learned how to weld at a young age and just learned the kind of the, I loved it, right? The vibe of working with steel and working with your hands and making products. He had a really cool customer base. And anyway, I left there when I was 20, never thought. I'd be going back there again. But there I was after my restaurant kind of gigs got tired. I went to, back to work with my dad. And he, my brother was there, 30 other guys. I had some life experience now. And I thought, geez, you know, my dad's got a cool thing going on here. He's got a nice product. He's got a really great customer base. Um, I've got some world experience now. Maybe I could help him. The one thing I liked about steel versus- the prodigal food, son returns. <laughs> Yeah, it's not going to go bad, right? Yeah. Steel doesn't go bad on like, you know. That's true. It's a durable it? product. <laughs> yeah, it's a very durable versus what's going on today in the restaurant world. I mean, it's unbelievable to me and sad to see what's going on in our state of restaurants. Um, yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Heartbreaking. But uh, anyway, it, it got me to thinking that um, I loved, I just loved working with, my hands as well and then so I've been doing that with my dad not I was more on the management side my second time around helping us grow his business but I'm a foodie right and I read the Wall Street Journal an article on a Friday night this is back in February of 2011 at the end of the day just kind of hanging out I read about the launch of the modernist cuisine books and 
Nathan Meerbold, mm-hmm. as you know, I know you've mm-hmm. spent a lot of time with them. And a, a real culinary, culinary genius, but a, a real genius on top of culinary, right? Amazing. And all, and all the lights start going off now, right? All the lights. So I'm just reading like, about the book. I just thought, just to interject here, you know, one of the things I find interesting with a lot of the people that we've talked to on Pizza Talk, it's interesting how uh, many of us have two or even three different career tracks or paths that we have followed that somehow converge uh, and often through, you know, at, at the realm of pizza, but they come together. And yeah. in this case, it seems like, you know, you had these two different sort of avenues that uh, that were working and then all of a sudden you needed something to kind of like diffuse them together and to, and to that, that burst of light, you know, to make it all. Exactly. exactly right. It was an aha moment. I read the article and he mentioned pizza and steel and I would, I probably did this to my, if you guys, the viewers are listening, but I did like a face post. Oh, they're, they're seeing you. They're seeing you. <laughs> and <laughs> I, was, I literally went out to my plant and I grabbed a piece of steel that I used for a caterpillar component. I didn't clean it up. I just brought it home. And my <laughs> wife said, what are you doing with that steel? I said, I'm going to make pizza this weekend. And I did. And you know, it was one of those moments where I made dough that weekend and I'll never forget it. I made a pizza in about six. I didn't really time it because it wasn't a big, that wasn't a big concern, but I, I, it was like six or seven minutes and we struggle home pizza makers. I had a crispy crust in seven minutes and I was mind blown. And so I went back to my office on Monday and I told my brother and my father, I've got this new idea for a product. And they basically, and we were, this is 2011. The economy's just starting to come back from where it was. We make Caterpillar components, John Deere components. Yeah. How in the hell are we going to do a kitchen product? Um, so I, right, I, right. I agreed with them. I shelved this thing. I, as great yeah. an idea this was, I didn't have belief in myself or my business yeah. to produce it. So there it was, and I let it go. Um, but the seed was planted. <laughs> the seed was planted. And I don't know about you, yeah. but we all, and I know you've had a, a million ideas too, and some of them just will not go away. Yeah. You need to jump down that rabbit hole with those ideas and really try to learn and right. figure out what it was. And so there it is. It was like, you know, I came out with on Kickstarter literally a year and a half after reading the idea. A lot of stuff happened. Um, fear being afraid of, you know, trying something new and all these yeah. different elements. But I did it. I took a chance. I took a leap. Um, thank God. Thank goodness that I, I had the faith in myself to do that. Um, super lucky and super grateful every day still, but because I went out and did something I'm passionate about, like the universe kind of came back and spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? You're supposed to be doing this. Yeah. So- it's interesting because that moment when you're at the edge of the cliff and you have to decide whether you're going to take the leap or not, you know, that's a moment of truth for so many entrepreneurs. And I'm sure that we, if everyone shared their, their experiences, probably have a commonality of that fear and, you know, wondering, is this the time, you know, what happens if, it, if I don't make it to the other side of the cliff or et cetera, et cetera. But you have to take the leap or else it's not going to happen. So true. And you need to get to the other side and, whatever it might take to get there, but you've got a strong belief in yourself and don't listen to anybody else. Just, just mm-hmm. do it. Obviously, you need feedback. Well, let me ask you something. At this point, 
read, read through now the modernist cuisine series? Have you you got kind of got pulled into that whole food science yeah. uh, nexus, so to speak, that Nathan Mirvold and his team created? You were you now were immersed in that and, and modernist uh, molecular gastronomy. All that was exploding around the country. So did that kind of that played a big part in you making that leap. Oh, big time. Just seeing what they did. And then um, it was more of like a, um, yeah, and that was incredible what they did. And, and still, I still go through those books. And they, obviously, the bread version, which is, I know you had your hand in that one as well. I was involved to, to, to an extent. And, and now I'm very excited to know that things full circle that the modernist cuisine people did modernist bread. Now they're doing modernist pizza, which should be coming out, you know, sometime either this year or next year. So, you know, it all comes back to pizza in the end, right? It all comes back to pizza. And, you know, and one thing about our story and what I love about pizza um, is it's, it's, it's for sharing. It's like making pizza with friends and family is to me like the ultimate evening or afternoon together with people. And it's always been about that for us. It's just like building that community. That's why I love, I love throwing pizza parties mm-hmm. because it's not, we, all, we don't all sit down together. We all kind of stand up and hang out and converse and have conversations. And it's about the food sometimes. It's about yeah. the story of the food. Um, so it just lends itself. It's a beautiful evening with- um, Of course. Yeah. But, but let me just take a step back uh, uh, for one second because you had gotten you know, this sort of uh, the modernist books kind of sparked something in you. Was there something in there that made the connection for you with the steel? Was there something about the science aspect that that brought out? And can you explain how that kind of all came yeah. together for you? That's great because yeah, it was steel because he had told, he had said in his article to Google your local steel shop and cut out steel for your shelf. Well, it was in that moment that I said, Holy smokes, like, we knew from science in, in middle school that you know, steel conducts energy really well. Like you can touch the end of a fork that's hot and it'll eventually spread out and burn your hand, right? Well, that's what's happening with, with steel and pizza. Well, steel stores 20 times the energy of stone. So what we can do at 500 degrees in a home oven is equal to what stone can do at eight or 900 degrees. So it's the mesh of perfect, it's the perfect storm. It's steel in a home oven. Right. Boom, like there you go. It's like now you can he's make saying, it. He's saying in the book, go out and get yourself a piece of steel and you're going, wait a minute, I can make this damn thing. Exactly. <laughs> he's speaking to me, he's talking yeah, to me. He's speaking my language. And I, yeah. by the way, you know, my, my dad's plant had a million dollars worth of equipment that could produce this thing. I designed it in like literally like 35 seconds. I can do this, I can do this, and I can do that. There were some, obviously, um, difficulties doing it, but more or less, I had everything I needed right in front of me. Yeah. To produce yeah, exactly. So, you, were, you were the guy in the right place at the right time, right except place, right you just needed to have the courage to, like, turn it into a business instead of just hopping. Big time. Yeah. Big time. That took a lot. That took a lot. And that's, I, I still deal with that. But it helps because now that I've done it, I, I can like go to the other side now. Yeah. If I'm really struggling with something, I can look at the uncertainty and say, you know what, take a chance. Because as long as it's not going to harm me or do anything yeah. harmful to anybody around me, let's go do that. Let's, well, the nice thing was you didn't have to necessarily invest in a steel foundry and, and uh, you know, uh, 
get all the equipment, you were there ready to go. So that gave you a head start, at least a springboard oh, into it. Huge, huge uh, advantage the business that. side, of course, is a whole different story. So what, about what year was this that you actually decided to go ahead and start manufacturing them and launching them? When was the Kickstarter? At the end of 2012. Okay, so that's almost eight years ago, about eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. And then, and I remember that I heard about it, someone along the line, uh, I'd heard about this deal. Some people had asked me about it. I think you were doing some work, maybe you were writing with Sirius Eats or doing some interaction with some of the folks over there. Uh, Was it Kenji or some of the the great voices out of that community? And then I had, I've been using a, a, a pizza stone for years. And I was taking it with me somewhere to do an event, and it slipped out of my hand and shattered. And I remember going, "I need a, I need a steel. I can't, I can't keep breaking stones, you know." And that's yeah. when I contacted your dad. Well, I contacted you, and your dad answered, "Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember. It's great. It's a great uh, well, together. Uh, well, I know that um, uh, uh, some of the folks who are watching probably have the steel by now, or they may want to know how they can get it. And of course, we'll we'll put links on the on our site so that you know. Okay, but but just uh, if they want to contact you, what's the best way for them? Uh, I guess right. So our our site website or directly. Yeah, our website is bakingsteel.com. Um, we have our, we have our own Shopify store. Um, I can I'm Andres at Baking Steel. So please email me any, any kind of questions that you have. You know, we have a pretty good presence on Instagram. We're out there almost every day posting our stuff and user stuff. It's beautiful. It's so yeah, there's so some great, they're great photos and great, you know, postings for, if you haven't caught up with this, I mean, now it's no longer the new kid on the block. People know about it. It's not like you, the hardest part of the job was to make it, you know, acceptable and to get it past sort of that hump. Totally. Yeah, and that's still we still have that. You know, we still. I mean, that's done that. now people you know, want them. They want. Yeah. No, like no one's heard of us. I mean, that's like we're we're still kind of the new kids on the block, even though we've been you know at it. But we're consistently posting about. I mean, the basic science is that it's it works. Steel works at five hundred degrees. You know, just better than stone. So well, when I like, first contacted you, you first sent me. You were doing two two different. You're still doing them in two different thicknesses. I know one was real heavy, and you had to be totally committed to get that one. And then was one more the sort of like the uh, okay, I just want to give it a try size, you know. And, yeah, and right. even that was pretty heavy, but it was like at least manageable. Are you doing both options now? We we still are, and you know, the, the thicker the steel, the more mass, the more energy it stores. But you know, truth be told, oh Peter, if you had asked me to make pizza with you, and it would be um, it would be an incredible moment. And I could bring whatever I wanted to. I'd bring two steels with me, two quarter-inch steels. That's what I. That's my setup now. You mean um, you put them together, two steels, one no, on top I, of each other? I put one on the top shelf and oh, one on the bottom shelf. Kind of turn it into a. In, yes, and it gives me essentially a a brick right. Puts the broiler in play, but it also it just allows me to make multiple pizzas in succession. I gotcha. Gotcha. But the quarter inch is not the thick. It's not the thicker of the two, is it? No, it's fifteen pounds. It's our thinnest no. one, but it needs to be at least quarter inch. So, uh, so for a ballpark for thinking and for folks who are trying to get their mind around this, about what would the investment be for a home cook who wanted to get this? I know, actually, by the way, a lot of professional restaurants are now using them and are essentially upgrading their kitchen ovens to be able to bake at this level just by using your tools rather yes. than buy a whole new oven. But 
for those who want to just get one for their home use, what, what are the uh, entry levels? Yeah, $89 is the original baking steel. And, you know, the look at it, and that covers, you know, we pay for the shipping that's included in that price because of our... Really? Yeah. Well, that's not, it's not cheap to ship a big It's not steel. cheap to ship it. We, we, we obviously would get a better rate than most people because of the volume that we're doing. So we share that cost in all of our shipping. Um, it's, it's awesome, Peter, that, that size. It's 15 pounds. Yeah. But, you know, if you look at it like, well, I'm never going to have to order, and I shouldn't say never, but you're going to reduce the amount of times that you call up Pizza Hut or Domino's because <laughs> the quality that you can make, produce in your home, especially with the right ingredients, is yeah. well beyond what you can get in most ways. And obviously, not just for making pizzas. You can use it for so many things. And, yeah. I, and I even have uh, one of your later generation products now, the, the griddle. Are you still uh, making the griddle? And is that yeah, great traction? question? Yeah. So we learned because of modernist cuisine and, and the science behind the steel that it conducts energy so well. It's not just great for pizza. It's great for, you know, put it on your grill and make smash burgers. I don't know if you've had a smash burger yet. They're unbelievable. Or just searing. I've, I just had burgers. I've had burgers and steaks oh. on my stone, on my steel. Yeah. Yeah, but I no. So yeah, I, you know what? I have to make a smash burger because I, you know, I, I hear the term, and I just thought it was just sort of like just another way of saying hamburger, but it is actually a specific way of doing a burger, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, you take a two ounce patty and you literally smash it like a pancake, and on a very hot baking steel, and because the steel conducts energy well, it's every square inch of that baking steel is four hundred and fifty degrees, so you're getting this patty, the Maillard effect with the the proteins great sear yeah like that just a awesome. great flavor well i know that you've got i see a, an oven behind you and i'm guessing that you have a steel floating around there in the in your kitchen uh we're gonna wrap up this first segment with andres logsden the inventor and creator of the baking steel uh much copied but never surpassed out there i know that i've seen knockoffs uh and we'll talk more about sort of the genesis uh, and creation of the steel, but also how to use it. And uh, can you make something for us? Can you do something? Uh, you know what? I'm happy uh, give enough uh, ingredients on hand to put something together. Yeah, I think that's okay. Something. So I'm sure I would love to see it in action. Uh, again, I know that I'm preaching to the choir for those of you who already have one, but for those who have been curious and wondering, chance to. Uh, uh, see the the inventor actually using it. You know? It's not just Thomas Edison, you know, moving on to the next project. Uh, this is growing for you. So um, uh, thank you for being with us on Peace to Talk. Andres, thank you for giving us sort of the backstory. And in part two of our talk with and conversation with Andres, we're going to get into actually putting it into practice and we'll see about talk about the future of where the baking stone is going. I keep saying stone because we're so grain, but the baking steel is going. Awesome. Is, is that the term, the baking steel? Is that the term that, baking that steel. what it's called, the baking steel? Yeah. Baking steel, yeah. Or exactly. just as, as those who use the steel. <laughs> Stick around for more Pizza Quest after a word from our sponsor. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. 
In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. So, you know, while we've been uh, on a break between our first segment, uh, uh, you've been setting up your kitchen and uh, firing up your steel. And what are you going to do for us today, Andres? So I'm going to make this a a cheese pizza. I've got a dough sitting out. Um, I haven't been to the market as frequently, so I don't have a lot of fresh produce. Um, Any kind of pizza is fine with me because it's, you know, it's all pizza is great. Uh, I think most people really want to see the steel in action. Yeah, great. See how it. And maybe while we're while it's cooking, you can talk a little bit about how it how it bakes differently than say a stone or okay, or great, produce. great advice. Yeah. yeah. So what do you got? So why you get get us going here? Well, get started. I've got. A, I'm gonna show you guys a quick close up of this dough here. Um, this is a this is like a five day dough. Um, wow. so it's been literally proofing and almost by accident. I always have dough in my fridge, so you can see how like soft and supple because this dough has been literally just chilling out yeah the glutens are so relaxed now and i think that's one of the the real advantages of of um longer ferments is that the dough becomes so easy to stretch yeah i think when people just touch that for the first time they're like oh my goodness like they think you're a genius you know (laughs) (laughs) you are um, a genius (laughs) yeah right but but uh, in, in this particular instance, uh, what what kind of flour did you choose to use for this dough? So this is a um, central milling flour. It's their uh, high gluten organic flour, um, high mountain. It's I think it's their equivalent to bread flour. Uh, and well, yeah, okay. So so but it's a high gluten flour. It's not a double zero quote it's or not a double zero style. Okay. You can see I don't know if you can see all these bubbles that this thing yeah. has. It's like just from because because I haven't really done much with I. Very, you know, very little initial mix. Um, and then I did a, a counter proof for about, probably about 12 hours and then a cold proof. And I got the cold proof from you, Peter. I remember yeah. reading your book about these cold fermentations. Um, well, for me, a big breakthrough technique is using, you know, that long cold fermentation. Just, you know, how much hydration do you use in your dough? Uh, this is about a 70% hydration. Okay, okay. Not, so it's not outrageously sticky like a ciabatta, nope. but it's soft. Nope. Couple. It's not at all. It's um, it's pretty easy to handle. Not not for a beginner. It's a little challenging, but they get used to it. Um, but you can see, like I'm gonna pick this thing up. You can see the bubbles, but I'm gonna. If you can see my hand, I don't know if you can even see my hand, but the gravity yeah. really does everything. I can bring the camera up. Gravity does everything. I'm just kind of working around the perimeter. Yeah. And you can see how much this thing's. And this is about a 250 gram ball. That's. That's exactly the way I shape my dough at home as well. Uh, yeah, using the back grab. of my hands, my thumbs only in the you know at the edge, no no pulling or stretching, which yeah. is not the way they do it at pizzerias. You know, we had nope. Chris Decker from Pizzeria Metro in Vegas uh, do a nice demo for us on how they stretch their doughs there. Oh, They're using uh, definitely a firmer dough, and it's all done on the table by you know spinning it in that flour. Yeah, and, those guys uh, are master masterful yeah. the way they do that. Um, but but yeah, I yeah. like that technique that you use because it doesn't uh, squeeze out all that, those gas pockets that are in there. Yeah. We've got like, and it's natural, like, right. Like, cause I've got like bubbles kind of throughout this thing. And 
Some people, if, if it's enormous, I might pop it. But like the smaller versions of these, I love. I think they add so much character to the dough. Um, it just makes it more unique, like a snowflake. So, yeah, and so it looks like you're getting ready to, to transfer it over to your peel? Yeah, I've got, this is like about 10 inches right now. Um, uh -huh. I'll talk about the peel. You, obviously, most of your readers or listeners will know what these are. I just prefer wood yeah, um, when I'm launching because I think it helps with some of the moisture. I like to it's use it. It's funny how, how we, as, as uh, in, say, the home baking community, uh, have our hacks for things. And pizzerias, they, they have no problem using metal to do the load. But I find that uh, I can use metal great to pull it out, but I love using wood to put it in. Same. And I use a combination of flour and semolina flour. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, just because I like that little texture. And yeah. the metaphor I use, is, that's my ball bearing. Right. on the dough, right? Because it's got to be loose. And when I place my dough on top of this, it needs to be loose like a hockey puck. So yeah. my ball bearing has got to work. And got before I do sauce, before I do cheese, I got to make sure this thing's loose on there. And if it's not, then I'll just pick up that troubled area and, you know, dust a little flour underneath it just to kind of get it going again. But Great. anyway, that's kind of that's it. And I could, I could stretch this out bigger, but... I like it to be a little puffy in, yeah. in places. Um, so I keep that, you know, relatively small, but um, I've got my, my, my baking steels. As you can see the ovens here, um, I've got a steel on the top rack and I have a steel on the bottom rack. It's been preheating for one hour, maybe, maybe an hour and a half. I just switched my oven over to broil. Ah. Um, so this is an electric oven. It's on broil now. This oven might take, I'm going to bird dog it. It might take three or four minutes before that, that broiler kicks on. Uh -huh. At that point, I'm launching. So that, uh, you've, got a, you've got a stone on top. Are you baking on the, the pizza on the bottom stone or the top stone? Top stone. So, so it'll be under, under the broiler, closer under to the, the broiler. broiler. Yeah, I'm about six inches away. Um, well, you have the broiler on or off when you put the on, pizza in. On. You're going to bake it under the broiler. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so in other words, the, the, stone, the steel itself has absorbed enough residual heat to radiate back into the, into the undercrust, yeah. and then you're going to bake it uh, off with the top heat. Exactly right. Oh, all right. And that, um, I like that extra heat on top just for the initial, like, oven spring, just for the first maybe 60 seconds, 90 seconds. Uh -huh. And then I'll turn the broiler off. I see. I see. Okay. So you're going to give it a big blast. Right at it'll the get too dark. And you can see I'm topping. I don't know if you can see me topping my pizza here. Um, there you go. That's better. I can see it now. Yeah. I always like to say less is more. I'm sure I got this from your book too, Peter. But if we think we have too much on there, we probably do. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, so I, I agree with you. I like to just kiss it with sauce, but not yeah, have it swim. Um, and I'm going to give this thing a little shake again. I'm still yeah. loose like a hockey puck. Yeah. That's a good sign. I like the, I'm, in fact, I'm going to work a little fast here. My broiler just kicked on. All right. I'm going to go with some oregano on top of the sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And what I have is I have some provolone slices right from the deli counter. Yeah. I'm going to cheese this thing up. Um, some some I, provolone. You, I see you put the sauce down first, but since you have sliced cheese, do you ever put the cheese down first and put the sauce over? I could do that too. I might even add some more. Um, I've got a little fontina. I'm just going to add just to, just to kind of add another little 
Definitely one of, my, one of my favorite cheeses. Right? It just melts so nicely. I love it. Love the flavor of it, too. Yeah, I, I agree. And then um, I've got some palm reg I might use afterwards, but I'm just going to do a little bit more sauce on here. More sauce, huh? I'm going to give it a shake. And now, if you guys can watch my, I'm going to move this oven a little closer to the oven. My broiler's on. So my back of the peel goes to the back of my steel. I kind of just shake it off. Shake it off. And now the uh, because uh, you're, baking, you're baking so close to the broiler that for some people this may be a scary proposition, but uh, you got a timer on it. That's good. So I, don't forget. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm cooking the broiler, I'm using a timer. Um, but two minutes under the broiler. Two minutes. Wow, two minutes I'm going to check this thing. Um, it's probably going to be, my broiler is still on, so it might even be faster than that. Um, you can close check. your doors with your broiler. The, the, when you close the doors, it doesn't ca cause the broiler to cut out. Not I, really. Yeah. In my oven, I've got an old GE, you know, like 1982 yeah. oven. When I close the door, the broiler cuts itself off automatically. A lot of them do that. Like, so you have to like learn the tricks. I always find like learn the tricks of your oven. Each oven, yeah. They all um, like my. I have a gas one here, and the gas is nice because once that goes on, it just stays on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, electric are a little bit more finicky. They have some brains behind them. So, um, but you can see like we'll take a peek inside. I'll turn that up, light off. You can see the see that. I don't know if it's pizza in there, but it's it pretty. Yeah, that's amazing. It's time to get some color, but I want to keep the door closed. I'm cheating. Um, but after, uh, after two minutes, I might rotate this a little bit just because, you know, the back of the oven is definitely a little warmer than the front of the oven just yeah. to kind of even it out a little bit. And we do this in pizza ovens too, right? When we're manipulating. Uh, you have there's to. no oven that bakes perfectly the same in every zone. It's not going to happen, right? I agree. So, in fact, everything you're doing, every step that you're taking is exactly the steps that I, that I teach when I do my pizza classes, uh, including yeah. that, that shaking and jiggling of the, of the dough to make sure it's not sticking to your peel. Because after all this hard work, the last thing you want is to go to the oven and not be able to get the pizza off the, off the peel and into the oven. We call it the unintentional calzone, right? All right, exactly. so that's two minutes. Let's, let's take a peek. Um, all right. So you can see I'm, oh, can my tilt, rack slide out. Tilt the, tilt the camera. Yeah. There we go. There we go. My rack slide out, which is really nice. That's but nice. The, the top of this pizza actually is pretty awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to turn the broiler off because I don't want any more top heat. Right. Now I want the bottom to catch up to the top. Gotcha. But you can see it looks pretty awesome. So <laughs> I look pretty awesome. That's only two minutes in. That's um, only two minutes when, in. When you preheated the oven, uh, Andres, what was the temperature you used to preheat? Uh, I did it at, this is a little hack that I do in my home oven. I preheated it at 450. So, and, and the reason is, is when I, um, when I go switch to broiler, the broiler is going to kick on faster because I've tricked the oven. If I preheat it at 550, the broiler yeah. is not going to kick on. I see, I see. So, so when you... When you turn the broiler off and go back to bake, do you go back to 550 then? Yeah, I went back to, I went back to 500. 500, okay. Yeah. So, so 450 was just so that the oven wasn't, uh, wasn't so hot that the broiler wouldn't come on. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, we learned 
our ovens teach us things. John Arena always says you have to listen to your dough, but I think you have to also listen to your equipment too. Yeah, you have to know your equipment really well. And these, these by the way, are monogram ovens. They're beautiful. I really yeah. love them. That's um, a great new series that they've come out with, yeah. Incredible. And so I've got, you know, so if I was doing multiple pizzas right now, I would have moved that pizza to the bottom steel and launched a new one on top. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, every two minutes, I'm kicking a pizza out, which is incredible fat. For home, that's fat. So I'm going to take you guys for one more trip up here. Yeah. This is about three minutes now. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with what's going on here. I don't know if you can see this. There we but go. It, we can see it now. Yeah. It's, yeah we got it's some nice pretty. char. How's the undercrust looking? Bottom Start looks amazing. Start to brown up a little. Yeah. yeah. So I might go what like, burnt myself, but I might go like 30 more seconds. Okay. And that's about it. We remove that out and we're done. So be that's a, like a four-minute pizza. Four yeah, minutes in the oven. Yeah, that's wow. Yeah. And when you make a pizza that fast, by the way, you're getting a sear on the outside of that crust and inside. That's where the magic is, right? That airiness. Just well, what, I don't want to take your attention off the oven because I want to get this out at the perfect time. But then when it comes out, I'd like to to explain to us a little bit of what was going on. Conductively and yeah, totally. wise, you know, in terms That's of the heat quick, quick. from um, the steel. I'm going to pull this out right now, Peter. Okay. Quickly. So really, you're baking it at about the same time as a, a lot of pizzerias. About a pizzeria Bianco is baking theirs at about three and a half to four minutes, and yeah. it's yeah. not the it's not the sixty to ninety second Neapolitan bake. It's no. it's it's more the uh, neo Neapolitan it's, bake. It's exactly. It's like uh, because we can see underneath is cooked beautifully. Yeah. Right, um, I can hold this thing up so it's got some firmness to it. Um, I went a little heavier on the sauce, than, but I like that. I like that uh, sauciness. Um, well, that's that's because you're from New England. New Englanders always love their love the, the sauce part, you know, more than right? more than some some others. But you can see this. I've got some color on top, which I like. Um, and then, but on the bottom, we're also cooked beautifully. So yeah. it's got some firmness yeah. to it. And nice. again, this is what the steel does so well, is that, uh, I'll talk about it here. One, because I use the broiler, I'm getting the color on top. But then when I turn that broiler off, it gives the steel time to get, you know, fire back into that dough again and get that bottom cooked. Uh, and I could have even gone another 30 seconds on this one, but I really like this style where I've got these big, big air bubbles. You can see these bubbles here. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. Um, if I slice into this. Do you, put any, uh, do you put any dry cheese on the top when it comes out? I got, yeah, good question. I almost forgot, but yeah. <laughs> see, it's ingrained in me. I love putting that on at the end. At the end, it's just a beautiful, and I, I might even throw a little, um, some basil on at the end too. Oh, yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Right, some fresh basil. This thing is ready to take a picture for Instagram. There you go. Yeah, better get your shot now while we're well before you cut into it. And that way you can get you can get this interview and an Instagram all in one shot. I'll make I'll have to make another pizza for it. Right? All right. Cool. Uh, but that's it. I might you know some people might put olive oil on top. I mean whatever if you feel like it. Um, it's it smells incredible. That basil and cheese. So I learned something uh, when you were making this because I'm so used to baking the pizza without the broiler. I just eat my oven up to 550 okay. and just, and, and it's usually about in my home oven, about six minute bake. Um, mm -hmm. and, and my oven at Johnson and Wales where I can get the oven hotter than my home oven, I can get them out in about four and a half to five minutes, but you got yours out in about four. 
three and a half to four minutes. And the broiler trick, I think, is, is a new technique that a lot of, uh, well, I don't know the pizzerias are doing it, but a lot of home cooks are doing it. Uh, yeah. The broiler to, to really amp up the, the heat. Uh, especially, and then, but I've never seen anyone actually bake it under the broiler. I've always assumed you turn the broiler off and then just you know let yeah, it. Yeah, you can do that and get extra heat that way as well. But I've been, I use it for If I go do a demo somewhere, um, usually it's for multiple people, so I'm making a lot of pizzas. I'll bring two steels. So after the first two minutes, I'm going to the bottom steel. Um, by the time I make my next pizza, that steel's already back up to temperature. So I'm literally kicking a pizza out every two minutes which is yeah. unbelievably fast yeah. for a home, yeah. home environment. That's pretty I'm cool. sweating and needing a break. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so uh, well, feel free to cut into it and have a yeah. slice. We'll, we'll vicariously enjoy it with you because we uh, certainly want to see, you know, what, what it looks like inside while it's nice and hot and crisp. Yeah. And, then, while we're, and then, what, then we can also talk a little bit about what, what that steel did that, say, a stone doesn't do. Great. You hear that crunch? Yeah. Oh, man. I can see you're holding that knife because you wanted to make sure we heard that sound. <laughs> I was pausing. I love the sound of crust. Oh, it doesn't get, you know, it's funny, Peter. I've probably made, you know, thousands of pizzas in here. And every one I make is just as exciting as that first one. I just, even this is incredible. It's um, really interesting that you say that because, you know, John Arena has been making pizzas for 55 years. Massive. Brian Spangler about 25 years. And they both said the exact same thing, that it never gets old. It just doesn't get all, it's, it's mind blowing and the smell of the aromas and um, you can see that, I mean, the crust is just, just amazing. I think those bubbles in there. Oh my gosh. Can you um, hold it even closer to the camera so we can really yeah. see that structure? So yeah. you mean, that, that bubble, of course, is a real blowout, but, it, but yeah. it shows us how fully gelatinized those starches are because you got that shiny gelatinous kind of glow from it. It's that, really good. That, that's a lot of, that brings a lot of joy when you have that. It does. You can see how it's holding itself up pretty well, too. And I could have cooked a little bit longer, but really, it's my yeah. kid would love this. Like, I kind of make them for the kids because I know yeah. they'll have lunch. Um, do, do your kids eat, the, eat everything all the way out to the crust? They do, yeah. Out to the, out to the Quinnish and, yeah. and do you – now, here's, here's the big, big test. This is something we learned from one of our other uh, demonstrations is when you take your first bite, do you take the bite from the, from the, the nose or do you take it from the, uh, from the, the bones? I go from right here, right here. The nose, you go there, there first. Uh -huh. yeah, go for it. Mm. My goodness. And of course, we all wish we could be there with you. But uh, those who are watching, you know how to do it now. So just go ahead and do it. Uh, it's so good, Peter. Yeah. Just crushed tomatoes, a little parm, a little oregano. So, so I'm going to throw a few questions at you in terms of your Please. technique. Uh, first, first, let's talk about the steel. So the steel baked it. Probably when I like when I baked it on a stone, it would always take at least a minute and a half to two minutes longer yeah. than on the steel. The steel, everything happens faster. And, and what's going on thermodynamically that's making that happen? So that's a great question. And what is happening is, you know, if the stone and the steel are both at 500 degrees, you can't cheat the science, right? 500 is 500. Well, what happens when we open the door up and we place a room temperature dough on there, well, it's going to yeah. suck up some of the heat from the stone or steel. But what we're finding is that it sucks up more from the stone. The steel continually rebounds right back to, right back to where it was, super, like 20 times faster than stone. Oh, I see. That's, that's an enormous amount of time. Quick recovery, yeah. Really quick. And that's why it works so well. And that's why I've got, I've got two steels in there, because essentially 
I've got more. Someone had a funny comment. They call it steel estate <laughs> in steel your oven. Right? Yeah. Um, but it's giving me more hot spots throughout my oven. So if I'm doing multiples, it's great. Yeah, and, it's, and it's, of course, it's holding heat in the oven when, even when you open the door. Yes. It's, it's not gonna, you're not going to lose it as, as much. Everything's just better. And so it's amazing um, that, that all that heat. And again, 500 degrees for pizza is like, that's the thing. It's incredible. How, how well are these selling now? I mean, how, like, can you estimate how many you've actually manufactured and shipped uh, to this point after being into – you've been in the game, what, five, six years now? Uh, oh yeah, you know, commercially. I so, mean, we've shipped over a hundred thousand units um, worldwide by now. Easy. And, um, and how many are you selling uh, to the professional trade, to the restaurant trade? I don't think it's a very high amount. I don't think I've seen them. I've seen them used in restaurants, and I've seen chefs tell me that they've lined their ovens with them. So. Yeah. See, I don't get. I won't get a lot of that data. I mean, other than when I talk to these guys, but I know a lot of them are taking their traditional ovens and making them. Pizza ovens, because essentially what I made here is a deck oven now, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, turned it into a deck. So it and it cooks great at five or six hundred degrees. So we make a lot of them. So so uh, uh, Brad, our, one of our producers, just told me that that he's got both a stone and a steel, and so he uses his stone as sort of an insulation tool huh. because uh, so that so in other words, for those people who have stones and they're wondering, you know, do I have to like retire it? You know, there there certainly can be uses for it if you have the steel. And you want to just add extra, sort of the brick oven effect? Then why not use a, sto a stone to help hold heat in? Because it's yeah. really, isn't it really just essentially a thermal mass? Isn't that the key okay. to the whole thing? Even that, even that temperature out. And Brad, by the way, make sure we connect after this so I can well to replace that stone in there for you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was the maybe that was his ulterior motive, letting us know that. But, but actually, <laughs> but I think, but I think it's a good a good thing to know because people who have the stones, and I still have my stone. Uh, you know, after I replaced my broken one, I still have I still have my stone, so I, I keep it on hand, you know, uh, because Easy. you never know. If, uh, since I, I have the well, actually I have two steels, so I can do like you did the, the double thing. But before I had the second steel, I would use the the stone so, as my yeah, second level. Yeah. yeah, it's it's one good use for it. But yeah, it's um, it's it's so, amazing. So you, sh you shipped at least 100,000 of these. Uh, is the business growing? And what are some of the spinoff products that you yeah, see? Yeah, that's great. Out of this? So yes, the business is growing um, slowly and methodically every year. You know, and, um, and that's thanks to you and the word of mouth and the, uh, just the whole vibe of, you know, social media. And we're really consistent about posting and educating on how we, you know, use our product. I, I'm really yeah. passionate about it. I teach classes in this this space here once that a week. Helps. That's a big, um, a big plus. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, it's a, one of those things, scale the unscalable, right? We're, um, we're take 10 people in at a time. And so, yeah, we are growing. It's amazing. We're growing at a, at a, a really good pace. It's manageable, um, but fun, you know, it's yeah. really challenged in building a brand really. But it is now, so are you now uh, full time on this, on this company, Baking Steel? Or are you still uh, working you know, at uh, Stolten Steel, you know, for oh. your dad. So I spun off from my family business um, on April of 2018. So Baking Steel is now its own entity. The uh -huh. good, the better news is that my brother at Stoughton Steel makes all of our steels for us, which is great. Keep it in the family. <laughs> so we're still working hard, um, coming out with new products. We have new, you know, our griddle is a newer version of 
what we do, which is yeah. the top version of our steel, and it's heavy and it's awesome. So is the griddle designed to be used on top of the stove, on, on a stove top, as opposed to in the oven? Because I've used mine in the oven. Yep, they do both. Um, I use it for, for, for uh, 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 broiling steaks. Perfect. I get Smoking. those great grill marks and stuff, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it was in the oven or on top of the oven. Um, and we've got some different sizes that were coming out, and actually a new size coming out soon. We've found a way to, you know, we cook our breads on here, Peter, um, which is awesome. Yeah. They can, you know, one thing that about bread is funny, they can, they can brown a little bit too early. You bake in like a baguette. So we made these, I made these baking steel bracelets. Oh. These are cool. You'd actually like, I'll send you some. Baking steel bracelets. So at the end of my bake, right, what I'll do is I'm going to lift the bread off the steel and place this under there for cooling. So I'm gonna get some air underneath it still, so I'm still cooking my breads, but I'm not gonna burn the bottoms. Interesting, that's a great technique. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. It's made out of silicone, high, um, high temp silicone, so they can withstand, you know, four or 500 degrees. But my baguettes now that I can make, yeah. unbelievable. Like, incredible. Well, once again, I think it really comes down, and this is where baking science and baking craft kind of come together, is understanding how thermal mass and thermal heat you know, works and how it, it penetrates to your product and, uh, and how to make your oven more efficient as well because home ovens are notoriously not as efficient as commercial baking ovens to being able to hold that heat in. Right. So, no, this, incredible. so this has yeah, brought it all full circle. Super do you great. see any other new products in your future? We do, actually. We have something coming out. I'm not sure of the timing. We have a couple, you know, with, with what's going on in this on the planet right now, we're pausing obviously it's sad um yeah. with new stuff we're just trying to get the, you know the original stuff still out but um sure. yeah we do have some new products coming out and more of this variations incremental improvements over what we have um but yeah we're always trying to innovate um trying to keep it you know listening to the feedback that we get is unbelievable the feedback and so grateful for it well, you know, I think it's exciting. There's a whole spirit of entrepreneurship out there. We 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 talked with Mike from Mike's Hot Honey recently. And, you know, he's launched again, same idea, taking that leap from you know, sort of a hobby uh, of a product that he created to turning it into a business. And running a business, it takes all your energy. It takes everything you got. It's uh, they used to tell me when I was in the when I opened my bakery, uh, my baking mentor said, "Remember that." Uh, your bread is only 10% of your business. 90% is marketing and, you know, and dealing with solving problems. And, so uh, and I realized that, uh, you know, once you, you've got to have a great product to get the business going, but then you have to be also dedicated or have, or if you're not the one for that, then bring in a partner who's a business minded person because business takes, it never, it never, you can't go to sleep every night without solving problems. And, it's, uh, nonstop. And, it's, it's 24 seven. I've never worked more in my life, but, Exactly. You know, if you're really enjoying what you're doing, I don't consider it work. I'm super yeah. fortunate that I built this test kitchen slash barn five years ago. I took a risk. I took, you know, on that. Personally, I paid for this thing. Yeah. Still paying for it, but it, um, it, it is turned into my home office, which is invaluable these days to have some space. Well, let me ask you this. If, if people who are watching this are, have, are sitting on an idea of their own and they'd really like to they're considering, you know, what next steps might be. Would it be okay for them to write to you and just ask yeah, for love sort of, uh, real life advice from you? Yeah, I'd love to, I love getting those types of questions and what should I do type of things. And 
how can I, can I give you help, give you a little bit of confidence to take that, at least that next step, because you've got to take the next step, right? Well, you've already, and you've already written one book, right? You had the baking steel book. Are you still working with, uh, with, uh, who is it? Um, your chef, chef Craig, is he still yeah, working chef with, still works with me? Yep. He's here every day. Well, not right now, every day. We're mobile. But, but, uh, uh, so you've got a book, but I'm wondering if, does that book also include some of this sort of, uh, life lesson advice or is, is that a next maybe the next book in the maybe in the that's work. the next book yeah, yeah this one's more food more pizza centric but um yeah. yeah there's a lot of there's so much stuff it's anybody who knows and like yourself who's entrepreneurial um yeah. making the steel is the easy part <laughs> you know um marketing is a 24 7 job just getting out there and and you know the one thing i'll say the one piece of advice just be consistent be consistent with your own self take care of yourself like that's one thing that we cannot overlook. Be kind to yourself, and um, that'll translate into you know more more everything. Just be kind. Be kind. Do you have yourself. employees now that work for you that are on your payroll? I do have employees. Yes. So I it's, have, it's gone from being a one man show to oh being. Yeah. A business. yeah. I've got a team, and you know I built this with on the backs of the 2009 recession. My my previous with my family business, and one thing I wanted. To, to build my business was something small, also mobile, right? I've got, and we're fortunate that we're able to operate in this environment successfully, and we're super grateful for that. Um, I don't have a lot of overhead though, which is important. Right? Nice. Well, you know, it's great. To, it's great to see that you what you did in my mind. This is my sort of phrasing of it. You connected the dots from different threads of your life and came up with something that. Uh, created a new product for the world that has really sort of, uh, uh, I don't know if this is the right word or, or too punished, but it galvanized, you know, the way <laughs> yeah, people, sure. uh, you know, think about that, uh, about cooking again. Yeah, uh, so thank you so much for all of that, for your contribution, for your hard work and for uh, being an inspiration. And for those who do want to write to Andres, A-N-D-R-I-S at uh, bakingsteel.com. Is that the way right. to get to you? Right. Yeah, please. Or go through please the website. That. Yeah. And, uh, and if you don't have one, you know, maybe it's time to start getting one. Yeah, uh, and and uh, uh, do you also have instructional videos on YouTube that where you show we do. people? We've got a YouTube channel with a lot of stuff on there. Um, obviously, our blog has got a lot of stuff on there. We're continuously posting on Instagram, Facebook, um, always content to help you learn. And we learn from you guys, too. Your feedback is amazing. Uh, well, yeah, so, so those of you who are using them, uh, you know, feel free to keep sending your feedback, any thoughts, questions, um, maybe suggestions. Uh, this, this is the exciting part. This is the legendary time of a business is when it's on the, it's launching and early. And then, uh, and then, then, uh, your grandchildren will have stories to hear from you later. <laughs> I hope, I hope, right. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Andres Lagden, thank you so much for being with us on Pizza Talk uh, and for all that you're doing and uh, and for making a beautiful pizza for us today and showing how easy it can be done at home. Thanks. Awesome. I'll try to borrow this now. Thank you, Peter. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, Subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash 
Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.